0: Welcome to another episode of the one and only top, most amazing business focused uh, podcast FYI, Speaking Into Existence, Navigating Mindfulness, where we have the opportunity to talk about how we are applying mindfulness to all the different areas of our life while we're building successful businesses. Now, today is a slightly different episode for so many reasons. Why, you ask? Well, my regular co-host, the one and only Lisa McHale, is on holiday because we practice boundaries here. Um, And I have a special guest, one of my favorite people. They are a business strategist. Originally based in Toronto when I first met them, and then they've transitioned over to Vancouver, um, going back and forth, like fixing businesses, supporting small entrepreneurs, just doing the thing. The one and only Lindsay Johnson. Lindsay, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yes. First of all, I have to say, I am literally crying right now still crying uh, from our pre conversation before we hit record here and I'm trying to like not let the tears roll down my face. Um, Hello Cheryl Hello everybody I am delighted to be here today super honored to be here today cannot wait to dive into this topic. Uh, yes, I'm a business strategist. I, I believe in, in building strategically and in a way that is fun, uses boundaries, <laughs> and also I love using entrepreneurship as a way to facilitate radical self-acceptance. Uh, I am here for this conversation today, so delighted to be here. Thank you. Yay! And then, uh, like,
0: honestly, the stars have aligned universes out of record, whatever. And the fact that this all line up together is just so delicious because along with that, we have a guest. So this is going to be so much delicious conversation. I have El Roche. I also met her here in Toronto. Now, the thing with her is that we actually bonded one late night. We've seen each other in this co-working space multiple times, right? But we bonded late one night when we were talking about building like uh, coaching businesses or talking about how do we coach how do we support people like us people that are first generation Canadians people that have had immigrant parents that have like a different sort of conversation around work around business around just like life and where it's more like you do what I say to do you shrink a lot you just listen to the things that they say and of course that erupts and shows up in so many different ways in our lives where it shows up as people-pleasing and um, and ultimately is super detrimental for you getting the things that you want because you end up living with so much resentment, so much upset and just not being satisfied. So she has actually taken up the mantle and is supporting small businesses and especially women in, um, and millennial women in becoming more of themselves, really crushing a lot of the people pleasing, crushing a lot of the self-doubt, but really getting into... Um, living the lives that we deserve our successful lives that we deserve and like just creating magic of course she is actually completing her neuroscience degree at the University of Toronto and then she's actually gained amazing insight into the brain's neurocircuitry and methods useful to alter unhelpful thoughts and prioritize our well-being so with that I'm here and so excited to welcome the one and only L. L. tell
2: the people about yourself Yes, I actually still remember that night so well. I remember us walking in the rain to get pizza and <laughs> <laughs> come back to like create strategies. But yes, hello, hello, everyone. Really, really happy to be here. My name is El Rocher and yes, I am a mindset coach for millennial women because here's the thing, right? <clears throat> we have always been told, especially if you move through the world as a woman, or you've been socialized as a woman, you're told that you are doing a good job when you are being the whatever role for somebody else, right? Good Mm -hmm. daughter, good mother, good employee, right? And nobody says, oh, you're doing a really good job at being you. And in order for you to show up well for anything, you need to start with yourself first. So I really help women see their worth and by that, they're able to build confidence, right, kind of like put self-doubt to the curb and really fill in their own shoes, right, so that they can live the life that they want and be bold and liberated in the process. And so, yeah, I went to UFT. Oh, which, yeah, there's, there's the degree, worked really hard for that. And so I helped them understand what is going on in their brain as their brain are making physical changes with those mental and emotional changes as well. So yeah. Where I would love to start is actually, why did
0: you even get into this? Like, why are you so passionate about this? How did this even get started for you? And like bubble
2: up is something that you really wanted to focus on. Yeah, so I think it really started for me when I told my family that I wanted to be a doctor. Like I was thinking, you know, like, immigrant family I'm like first generation and you kind of hear like doctor lawyer engineer and so I'm thinking oh I like science I like helping people let me just let me just throw it out there let me just throw a doctor out there see what the reception is (laughs) The reception was great and that feeling it was like I had already accomplished it It it's like oh my goodness you want to be a doctor yeah that's great that's great and so I'm like, yeah, I wanna be a doctor. But then with that, I started thinking, oh, like this feels really good when I do something that other people expect of me and other that things that other people want from me. So then I started doing that more and more, right? Like with friends and kind of being like goody two shoes and teacher's pet. And I'm like, okay, like this is this is getting me places. But in the process, I was neglecting myself, my needs, my desires. So fast forward now to university. I'm in my first year and it was rough. I had a lot of depressive episodes and it got to a point where I was actually put on academic suspension for a year. And with that, like everyone saw that I had been holding up a facade for a really long time. And everyone was now like, ooh, we're, you're you're not quite the person I thought you were. And that was both a relief and and, um, a really hard thing for me to hear because I had been so used to having other people tell me what I was capable of. So now I was like, well, if you don't know what I'm capable of, how will I know, right? But then in the same breath, it was also liberating because now it was me deciding and figuring out where I wanted to go. So I went through that experience and um, was able to get back into U of T, graduated and everything like that and realized that I didn't want to be a doctor. Like, no, that's not it for me. So I literally went to Google and I said, okay, I like science. I like motivating people. What's out there? And it was like life coaching. And I'm like, okay, I can see that. I could see that. I did go to school. So I know a lot about what the brain does. So let me shift that to mindset and incorporate the science that I've learned into helping people. And so that's how I'm here today.
0: (laughs) I love this story. And I feel like there was a couple of things that came up for me as you were sharing this, um, where we're so used to having that external validation when it comes to doing things. I know for myself, again, coming from that space of, you know, often being insecure as a a younger child and just always looking for somebody to tell me like what was the right thing to do in order to make them happy. um, I, I often would go and um, just need that validation in all these different ways. And I think also it plays into Uh, not talking about business but like when it comes to relationships like I often find that a lot of people that are used to people pleasing they um, end up in abusive relationships because they have this you know uh, I don't want to say dichotomy I feel like that's the wrong word but they have this relationship where it's like you need this person to tell you that you're good or that you're bad and oftentimes like it it can get you stuck in a space of feeling like, okay, like now am I worthy, now am I worthy, now am, yeah. am I worthy? And those like the the contrast of like, you're horrible, you're not good, you're not good enough for this and that. And then those slivers of moments where it's all like, oh, look at you, you did something good. Like you're ending up chasing that high and you end up chasing that for so long that like it gets you stuck in this tricky relationship and then getting out of it makes it even, even more difficult. Like it's just, it's wild. So. When it comes to, um, when it comes to business, now, of course, you're coaching a lot of millennial women, what do you find is like some of the things that keeps coming up for them, or some of the things that you've noticed um, in, in them, while they're going through and building their businesses and some of the habits that they have to break?
2: Yeah, a lot of what comes up is worth, self worth. So, you know, like what you were saying, Cheryl, there's a lot of external validation. And oftentimes I see, you know, like I want to discount my prices to hear that yes, because I'm so afraid of hearing that no, because to me, it means that they have rejected me. And when I get rejected, that's a really bad thing, right? Because people pleasing is a fear response. It is the like, and it's like the, where you hear, um, Uh, fight or flight you always you also have freeze and fawn and so people pleasing is that fawn fear response of like okay let me just do whatever you say because when I do that things will be fine yeah okay cool so you know like you're on a clarity call a discovery call and you know you mention the price and someone says "Mm, yeah I don't know about that I'm really not sure and so now you're like okay, if I can get this client, I am worthy, right? Placing our worth in something outside of ourselves. So you say, okay, yeah, no problem. I will give you a 10% discount. And then they might say yes, they might say no, And you kind of keep going down that road until, you know, hopefully, you hope, of course, that they say yes. But then in turn, now you are doing the same amount of work for not the same amount of money that you um, had already decided was the value of all the work that you do. So then, that is taking on more than you really ought to. That is you becoming resentful. That is your energy being drained because you are constantly overgiving. Yeah. Right. So I find that a lot of the the people that I that I speak with, the clients, it's this need to overgive because when they do that, that means that they're doing something right, and so we kind of work on rewiring that and shifting that to a narrative that is helpful to them, right? That puts themselves first, but it oftentimes putting yourself first has this negative connotation, like, oh, it's selfish to do that. And it's like, no, actually, you need to put yourself first in order to thrive and contribute well to anything else or to anyone else.
1: Yeah. I wanted to jump in and, and touch on something that you had just a, a couple of seconds ago said, and that was a, a tied to our worth. You know, I remember reading this somewhere, hearing it somewhere about how people who are socialized as women, when we hear things like charge what you're worth, you know, charge what you're worth and then add tax. People who are socialized as women tend to okay. connect that worth to their self-worth their their worth as a human being not the worth of their skill set not what their skill set is worth right and so so if you've got somebody who is still finding their self-worth in the world it is easy to really undercharge and to feel like they have to justify and it is easy to over deliver because there's this feeling of I have to prove my worth by over delivering so do you find that with your clients there is this this misconception of worth when you talk about skills <laughs> versus their worth as a human being.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. One thing I'm always saying is you never have to prove o- or earn your worth. Right. Um, and when I say worth in that context, I mean, your self-worth now, of course, you know, if you are a service provider, product-based business, whatever the case is, you do need to show that that product or service is worthy of getting clients, right? Or being purchased, right? But those are two completely different things. However, we we take things personally, right? And that I think kind of just stems from the fact that, you know, it's hard to differentiate when someone is, you know, just giving you say like constructive criticism and when someone is, I don't know, like just being like downright rude and trying to intentionally like hurt you and, and, and your confidence, right? And so with that, it's kind of like you have to uh, differentiate, right? You have to be able to separate what is your self-worth, which is untouched, right? Like, like imagine like a nice big perimeter around that, like nobody touches self-worth right? But then a few degrees out of that, now we're talking about business, which, yes, is a part of you, right? It's, it's like your baby, but it's also separate from you, you know? And so, yeah, like one of the, the main things we do is figure out what the difference is, because it can be really hard to figure that out, right? It's It's in the way in which, yeah, like you get that no, and instead of that being a that person isn't able to um, like sign on with me right now, it becomes, oh, I'm not worthy. Where like, it actually has nothing to do with you.
1: Well, as you said, we take it personally. People take it personally. You know, in, in business, especially if you are selling something, you have to always understand that it is up to the buyer whether or not they want it. It's not a rejection of you as a person. Right? Yeah. It is uh, that person saying it's not the right time or it's not the right solution for me. Right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I think this is a, an amazing conversation
0: as I'm like going through flashbacks, so starting my business and like changing my prices and like changing my offering. And just even like, uh, as every, you know, most people know I started off initially with a product-based business and I was like, yeah, I did my research. Um, This is what based on what I've seen with similar products. This is the price point that I'm deciding on. And this is why. And actually on one of the first big podcasts that I booked, they were like, oh, this is kind of expensive for this. Why is this so much? And I was all like, very clear about the fact of like, no, this is why you get like, let's say, for example, it was my clarity journal at the time. I'm like, you can download this over and over again for free. Every single page has a different handpicked affirmation or inspirational quote. Like, this is not just a scribble you write away. This is a keepsake because it's even got like X, Y, and Z going into the attributes and like the feeling of it and the intentionality and da, da, da and all the benefits. And they are like, okay, cool. However, I knew that if that was maybe like three months ago or maybe if I hadn't done that sort of research, I would have been like well, maybe I am priced too high. Like maybe this is incorrect. And I used to do a lot of discounting as well. I used to do a lot of sales because I was like, you know, people aren't going to buy this unless it's on sale. People aren't going to buy this unless like I come down to their space. However, it's very interesting, especially when you have a business coming from the space of if I discount what is the right price, I'm actually taking away from the people that I wanna serve because I'm telling them that they aren't able to come up to this level, that you aren't capable of being able to create this money or create this wealth or create the things that you want in order to to get this. And I actually see it as like, um, especially like when I'm working one-on-one with people like Lindsay, there was this time where I was like, yeah, I, like, I want to just like pick your brain. And you're like, yeah, it's $300 an hour. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, thanks for letting me know. I'll like circle back with you. when it happened in my budget? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And if anything, it just makes me value who she is as a business owner better. Like, I aspire that level of like, yeah, this is where I'm at. Like right now I'm at like, what, 150 an hour. And I feel really good about that. But like to be 300 an hour USD, I'm like, mm, I can feel it. It's coming, I got, it. I'm getting there. You know, it gives me something to grow to. So yeah. I think, you know, like there's just so many things. And I, I also feel like it's a very clear representation of how much you respect yourself and how much you value yourself. Because when you start valuing yourself, when you start respecting yourself, then you could say, yeah, yeah, this is it. And that's that's what it is. Like, you're not gonna go walk into Nordstrom's and ask for a discount off of like, you know, the Chanel bag or like, you know, the Louboutins. Like that's just what the price is take yeah. it or leave it. So when it comes to like building your business, how do you feel like people can start building their confidence, like something they could do on like a day-to-day basis? Like what is a mindfulness practice that they can do to kind of get rid of that imposter syndrome and stop shrinking so much?
2: Mm-hmm. So before I get into that, I love that you mentioned that Cheryl, because uh, a coach of mine uh, would uh, would tell us in like the group coaching program that, you know, like um, this was uh, serving like service based providers. So we often had to do clarity calls of some sort. Right. So she would often remind us, you know, that we are on the phone with their potential or like they might not be there yet, but just by us saying, okay, here, this is what it is. They're like, okay, let me let me let me either like go back to the drawing board or let me sit with this and now begin to entertain the possibility of me getting here because sometimes like they hadn't even considered it and now it's like oh okay well that i think that's possible uh it's it's a little it's a bit of a stretch (laughs) it's a bit of an expansion but i think that that is possible for people yeah to to really take those steps Honestly, for me, like it, I I have to say, it comes back down to presence. Oftentimes we are either stuck in the future, catastrophizing and thinking of worst case scenario and actually embodying that, right? Because the thoughts are the language of the brain. And that can easily be translated into our feelings, right? The language of the body, right? If I'm thinking positive, hopeful thoughts, I'm not gonna sit up straighter. I'm not gonna feel better about it. Whereas if I'm thinking something like negative, doubtful, I can't do this. don't like, like, look at how my face is looking, right? I'm not like really nervous, really scared, you know? So if you are in a worst case scenario and you're already feeling really frightened you're not going to make much progress because now you're in a scarcity fear-based mindset and that's when the people pleasing comes up because that is your that that's your response to fear it's like please people please people and then you'll be fine right so for me or and then let's go into the past actually real quick you can be in the past thinking of you know a really bad conversation that didn't go well or maybe like a a relationship of some sort that like ended and now you're like well I don't want that to happen again right so again fear is in the past right and now trying to please right so coming back into the present allows you to kind of just accept what is going on and and surrender to the now and then from there you're able to take baby steps like literally like maybe just scheduling like 10 minutes a day to make progress because sometimes we're like already thinking about what's needed for step five when we haven't even finished step zero (laughs) and then that can be so frightening because we're like I don't have everything I need for step five when in reality you're not going to figure that out until you get to step four so it's like just just take the baby steps right and eventually you'll figure it out as you go along
0: I think that's awesome. So I had, when we were chatting before we pressed report, I had a story that I wanted to share that I thought would be very interesting. So there's, I, I like to say it's kind of two sides, right? Usually there's, you know, not wanting to ask for the amount of money or, you know, shrinking yourself in regards to, you know, receiving. However, um, I actually had the opportunity to create a, uh, This is still really awkward for me, but I'm loving it. But it's still like, I feel a little nauseous right now. I'm not going to lie in regards to um, giving out money. So in, in life in general, I've always been the one that's like, I will just take the pain in order to keep the peace. Right. So if somebody has screwed me over, or I shouldn't even screw me over, (laughs) if somebody has not fulfilled their end of an obligation when it comes to a partnership, I'm just like, okay, well, I guess that's my fault. Or, okay, yeah. Like, you know, like there's been times where I'll rent an office space with somebody and then, you know, then they end up leaving and then I have to pay for the full amount of the office space. And it's just like, well, I should have just known better. Or like, I should, like, my intuition was kicking, like, and I just let it play out, but I'm just like, I guess that's what it is. Right. And I actually had an experience recently with somebody who I love dearly, which made it really, uh, awkward for me to create this boundary because we are better friends than we are business partners. Whenever we work in business, it can be kind of tricky, but when we're friends, like a one steak sauce. And so we had gone into create like a new product together without, a contract. And that I take as responsibility because I normally don't start anything new without being very clear about contracts. Like how are we splitting the money? Like how is this working out? And so I kept asking for the contract, asking for it, asking for it, asking for it. But during that time I, we were still working on things. She's just like, yeah, 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 I'll get it to you, et cetera, et cetera. And then like, it came up that the amount of the percentage split that she wanted because it was supposed to be a partnership was like egregious in comparison to the amount of input that each of us were putting in. And then also with like, who is selling it? Who like branding, all of these different things, right? And so I had a conversation with her about like, this this is a work for me, like what works for you? And like the, just the things just did not mesh. Like we just did not, could not get on the same page. And then finally, I was like, you know what, I feel really good with like, because the amount that she was asking for me to pay her out was like almost three times the amount that I would have paid a normal uh, graphic designer. And initially my thought was, you know what, whatever, let's just get it done with, like, get it out of the way. Even though internally, it felt like I was betraying myself on such a deep level. Then, because I went away from vacation and then I wasn't able to talk to her, she was able to, like, we just could not connect. And then having conversations with myself, with journaling, with having conversations with all these different people, I was just like, this isn't right. This is what I would pay if she was not my friend. What would this look like? And then I was, I went to her and I was like, this is what's going on. And I like, I take responsibility because we should have had a contract and this doesn't feel good. And then also like, this is what this looks like. So I gave her a counter offer she countered offered my, me as well. And then I was all like, okay, well, I'm just gonna have to see if that fits in my budget because if it doesn't, then like, what are we gonna do? Right? Like, I'm, we might just have to scrap this project. And then she was of course upset because she's like, I put all this hours in there. And I was like, I put a whole bunch of hours in there too. Like we're both in this with our asses out because we did not get this solidified first. And so being able to just say that like, this is what this looks like and like, I'm not bending because I'm afraid of losing you as a friend was like traumatic for me. However, when I hung up the phone, actually she hung up the phone on me. She was just like, I can't talk about this right now. Like I have to go. And I was like, okay, bye, I love you, bye. <laughs> and um, like legit, I had never felt such a feeling of elation of like lightness coming off of my shoulders because I had chosen not to carry this burden for someone else. And it was really, it felt really, really good. So I thought that y'all would be proud of me for just having so a So proud,
1: so proud. You know, can I, can I totally share a story? Is that cool? Of course. So like, because it's that, it's the, 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 their reaction was there. Her reaction was her reaction, right? But your your ability, man, like raising the roof. Okay. I know I'm a nerd. Okay. I'm raising the roof for you because your ability while pushing the screen, I don't know what is happening right on my hands, (laughs) (laughs) all the things, the ability to, to let go of the responsibility for someone else's reaction is huge, right? Yes. Yes. So I think that, that we, don't speak up or put a boundary in place or enforce a boundary because we think it's our responsibility to hold the other person's reaction and take it on and it's not so when you were talking at the beginning of our of our recording here Al, about about people pleasing and setting down this path so I got married at a very young age I was 19 years old (laughs) now there were many reasons that that was a decision I made at 19 uh the biggest one being I was young and dumb but As I was walking down the aisle in my head, I was like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. What is going on? But I looked at all the people standing there. We were outdoor wedding, standing there. And I thought, I can't let these people down. Yeah. And so I went through with it and had 10 years in a marriage where we were happy on the outside, not happy on the inside and not really bringing out the best in each other. And it ended up in flames. And at the end of this 10 year marriage, I'm sitting with myself going, who am I and what do I want? No concept of myself as a self, as a person. I spent 10 years people pleasing everybody around me and not myself. And I was in this, um, workshop and it was called, uh, uh, creative peaks and energy leaks. And it was looking at where we were leaking energy. And we were doing this meditation. I was out on the mat. It was the last meditation of the entire weekend. And all of a sudden I had this massive panic attack. I'm talking, I couldn't breathe. It's like somebody was sitting on my chest. I was no longer in that room. I was trying to breathe through, not having a heart attack. Like what was going on? It was so intense and it just hit me. I am putting everybody else first. Everyone is at the top of my priority list, except for me. I'm not even on my list and it is literally killing me. And so at the age of, oh, I don't know, 31, 32, somewhere in there, I finally, finally started to open up, opening up to coming home to me and who I am and what I need and what I want and what I need to just let go of and release. And so I started putting those boundaries in place. And Cheryl, I remember the first time I said no to someone because I didn't want to do something. They, they, it was an, it was an ex partner of mine and I had phoned them one day because we were still in, in connection in contact and somebody else answered. And I was like, Oh, they've forgotten their phone somewhere again. So I phoned their 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 roommate and was like, "Okay, so this person's forgotten their phone. Let them know." And so they, they the 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 ex calls me back and says, "Will you pick me up and take me to pick up the phone and then come back and drop me off on a Sunday afternoon? I'm having a pleasant Sunday afternoon. This is going to take two hours out of my time. I don't want to do it, but there was a fear that if I said no, I would lose them as a friend and lose their support. And support was really important to me, right? And so." Oh, I had to do it. I had to say, no, I was determined to honor my boundaries. And I said, uh, you know, cause I throw out things like call an Uber, get them to do it, this and that. And finally I said, I'm really sorry. I can't, I can't do it. I have plans today. My plans were to sit on my butt, but I don't care. Those are my plans. Those, those are valid plans. <laughs> and so I said, no, I'm sorry. I can't. And guess what they did. They said, okay, no problem. That's it. Okay. No problem. And it was just like this, like whoosh lindsay you can say no and the ones that love you and support you and are here for you will honor those boundaries and the ones that don't can f right off because you don't need them in your life so that's my story i leave it open to comment (laughs) or piling on proud of you
2: right that oh my god raising the roof or the screen (laughs) screen. Oh my gosh. Um, what came to mind as you said that was, you know, um, like towards the end is that like the people who, um, who how does it go? Um, it was
0: like the people that love you and support you will stay in your life. That is that I was all like, oh, look, us upgrading our friendships, upgrading our business partner, upgrading our yep. clients, like attracting those right yep. people. Anyway, that was my, <laughs> she said,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had a therapist once say to me, if you want to know if you're dealing with a narcissist, tell them no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A narcissist will throw a temper tantrum, manipulate, convince, push back.
2: Somebody who is not will say, okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it is the people who uh, like are upset or not liking your boundaries are the people who benefit from you not having any. Right. So it's kind of like, Uh, you really see who they are when you finally like stand your ground and say, well, this is what I'm about. You can take it or leave it, but I am, I'm not abandoning myself anymore. I've done that for far too long. You know, I'm now at a, at a place where I can accept me and I, and it, and it's a gradual process, right? Like talk about like self-love and, and like confidence and self-joy. And for a lot of people, it's, it's a hard concept to really wrap their heads around but just the simple well I shouldn't really say simple but like the baby steps of okay what do I want first right because it always starts with you I say that it is simpler to set boundaries when you know what you're about like do you know what your values are because if you don't know what your values are then then what, what boundaries, Boundary? What, what does that, what does any of that mean, right? We need to go back to the basics. What are we about? What do we really want to honor? What are our principles that we want to live by? And when you have that boundaries, it's like, okay, so if I say value authenticity, I'm not going to want to be around people who are not authentic, right? And it just comes so naturally. But it's because I know what I want and I think again, you know, for so long we uh again, socialize as girls, women, we've been told not to to look into ourselves, right? We're told to always ask Right, um, so then like that second guessing and, and that self-doubt comes in because we don't trust our own instincts. And then you know you hear things like, oh, boys will be boys. So they, they get to do whatever they want, right? They get to, they, but with that too, they get to like fail and come back up and see success. Whereas for us, like if we fail, it's like, oh, we shouldn't have done that in the first place. We shouldn't have taken those chances. But what what were we thinking doing that? And then Cheryl, coming back to your story, like what did keeping the peace really look like? Like, was it keeping the peace or was it just avoiding confrontation? Because like inner peace, like there's no inner peace. I know, I called her right out. called her out. (laughs) Everything. your inner peace is non-existent right until you finally said no we're we're not doing it this way and right and then you felt that oh thank goodness this is great
0: yeah I think especially in the beginning I was like what you said catastrophizing because this is not the only place that we play together me and this particular person in business we play together and like other parts where she supports me in my business as well. And I was like, A, I don't want to ruin this relationship. And then B, I don't want to like, you know, mess up this other thing that we've got going on as well. However, ultimately, if it was the other way around, I know how I would receive it as being like, okay, this isn't a fit, that's cool we can revisit this other stuff if like, we need to redo this. But right now, if it's working, it's working and it's fine. Right. And then coming from that. And I also feel like I know for myself where I was able to break through a lot of the people pleasing, um, was actually when I moved. So I was originally born in Calgary and I ended up moving to California and that was traumatic and dramatic. And also one of the best incubators for me to grow because I, used to live my life based on other people, what I thought other people's expectations were or who I thought they needed me to be. However, in this brand new place, I had the ability to be anybody that I decided to be. So really broke a lot of old, like, you know, depending on like how you feel energetically, like soul ties or just like roles that I felt like I had to be in. And then coming back to Canada, like people are like, oh, wow, you're so different or wow, you're so confident. I'm like, yeah, because I'm actually myself. I created the space to be able to discover who it was that I was and still value like those gentle parts of myself and the, you know, really wanting to love people, but I'm loving people in a responsible way versus the irresponsible way that I used to love them, where it was me bending over backwards and being 15 different people because this is who I thought you needed to be around in order to be happy versus who I am when I'm happy and letting that be enough
2: yes oh I love that yeah. just as that I thought about like our inner child right the fact that anytime we feel that fear it's like the baby version of us like recalling that really traumatic time you know and 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 feeling like you know, even in our adult lives, we still don't have that adult that we needed back then. But the truth is, is that we are the adults that we needed. You know, and we can, we can hug that inner child and say like, I'm here for you. I know back then you didn't have the protection that you needed and the love and affection that you wanted and deserved, but that's okay because I can give it to you now you know, so, like, I love that you said that, and, and, like, how we're on, like, the track of telling stories, um, I'd love to share one, and this one, like, it has, like, a, like, a bittersweet ending to it, so, um, childhood friend of mine, we live in, like, the same neighborhood, grew up together, and, um, and, like, we kind of had this, like, relationship where, like, growing up, we would, like, talk to each other a bunch for a couple months and then we'd like fall off face of the earth, like one not talk and then we'd kind of like, kind of do that a little bit. But in our adult lives, we were more consistent. But I had this role, I both accepted this role and she also gave me this role of being the firefighter, being the savior, right? So anytime there was a problem, I was coming to the rescue, right? Got my fire hydrant, everything. Fire hydrant, right? Fire hose, everything, (laughs) right? Um, uh, Water hose, blah, blah, blah. And um, like it got to the point where constantly overgiving, where pit of my stomach whenever I would see her calling me. And I would dread those conversations and I would avoid them. And it, yeah, it got to a point where I said no i i i well you know what i I had set boundaries, but I had set very harsh boundaries, right, so it was actually a wall. <laughs> it was like don't call me between this time and that time, and as you can imagine, like that didn't feel good for her, but I literally had gotten to the point where it was like zero to 100 like yeah 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 i'll do this for you to i can't do this anymore like whoa i'm at capacity and that kind of hit me out of left field right came out of left field don't don't even know i'm just at capacity so um, <clears throat> some time had passed after i'd set the set up these walls and when we came together like i had to be really honest with myself and the truth of the matter is was that I was afraid of how she would react if I had, if i had end the, the friendship. And so for years, I stayed in the friendship. I stayed in the relationship longer than I should have, right? And Lindsay, I can imagine that, that you definitely understand this. Um, and I stayed in it because of the fear. So when I finally said, Oh, um, I was afraid of the fear. And I also didn't want her to see me um, in a bad light, right? Again, trying to control her reaction, her response. So I ended the friendship and this was like just last year. So it's still kind of fresh. And I remember getting off that phone call and crying because she literally thought that I was the worst person on earth. So the thing that I was avoiding was the thing that happened anyway. And it was so hard to, to, to feel that because I was like, but I'm not though. And like, why can't you see that? And it took me a while to recognize that I can't control how she sees things. Right. Like she's got tinted glasses and I'm like, you're actually like, those are sunglasses, take those off. But unless they want to take them off, they won't take them off. Right. And, um, and even now, as I think about it, and still think about her from time to time, um, I still have like, like residual guilt because I also um, know that at the time, I was one of the only people that were really there to support her. and But, by, uh, but in that, I felt this responsibility to always be there for her but that was at the expense of my well-being. So
1: what you're saying is codependency. Codependency. Right. Codependency. Yeah. That was like codependency. If listeners aren't don't know what that is, look it up. It is. It is the result often of abusive being in abusive relationships, being raised in abusive households, um, and it shows up in many different ways. You know, working through my own abusive past and messed up marriage and into adulthood I really thought that I had licked my codependent dynamics with the people in my life setting boundaries is a big a big part of that that sort of that again that litmus test of saying no of setting a boundary and seeing who gets to stay in your life and who doesn't but then during the pandemic I saw how it was showing up in my business Mm -hmm. How I felt like I had to be the, the, the hero, the superhero, the fire and rescue for the people in my community, for my clients and students. And it was a humbling moment and an embarrassing moment. I, again, I kind of was like, oh, Lindsay, how did you let this happen? But again, to swing this back around to business, that codependency is sneaky. And it, it is a way that we ensure that other people need us to ensure our worth, to ensure our value and to make, help us feel safe and a part of and so you know really looking at where are you showing up for others at your own expense because it gives you a feeling of control or safety or belonging and then where can you step back and go these are fully grown people who can deal with things (laughs) it is not my job to save other people
2: exactly like like you see a kid ice skating and falling on the ice like you can't always go and pick them up like they have to learn how to pick themselves up and kind of going back to that, that analogy of like step zero to step five, it is by them picking themselves up that they are able to progress to the next level, right? <laughs> so like you can't do it for them. They have to be willing to do it for themselves. And if they ping it on you to do it for them, like that's not on you. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, not, on not, you. that's not your stuff. That's not your baggage. Yeah. I have a question for you two though. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I'm ready, let's do it. Do you think that the reason it might be challenging for you to set boundaries is because it is hard for you to hear that no from other people?
1: No. In the past, yes, but not now, no. It's, it's because I understand my nose and where they come from. It is much easier for me to respect other people's nose and, and honor. It's an honoring. I feel it's an opportunity to honor when Cheryl says, no, I get to honor that. And that's an an, an incredible responsibility that I love to get to hold space for. Yeah. I love, I love
0: when people say no to me because I feel like I've had so much difficulty in the past saying no to other people that I'm actually really proud of them. Um, for, and then that's where that shift has to happen for me whenever I say no to other people, um, is I often have to put myself in the other person's seat and be like, if I was receiving this, how would I feel? And I'd be like, I would feel nothing. I'd be like, okay, that's cool. But then I'm making, I'm still making too much about this in my head. And so like, I just continually have to switch spaces with that person and just, just practice it. Um, yeah, no. In regards to that, no. I think for me, it would it'd be more like I would, I just would hold the responsibility still for their emotions too heavily. And that's where that my difficulty lies.
2: Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I typically find that the people who have difficulty setting boundaries are the people that don't like hearing the no, because again, of what they make the no mean. But if you can get to a place where you feel good setting those boundaries, to hear somebody else tell you no, it's like, it's like that. Yes, good for you. Yeah, exactly. Woo-hoo, yes. When someone unsubscribes from my email list, it's like, you know what, you are doing what you need for you. Good job. I agree. I agree. I
0: love that. And honestly, I prefer like a very clear no, or I'm not doing that versus like, yeah. And them just not showing up anyway. Right. I would prefer like, especially and I'm just going <laughs> to throw this relationships again. Like if you're talking about dating me again and uh, you're like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I'm like, that's a no, just say no. It's okay to say no, I would prefer you say no. Like energetically, let's just be done with this and move on with the rest of our lives instead of like making this into an entanglement. Like it just, you're yeah, just, well, and it's, it's difficult for no reason.
1: It's a, it's a great, it's a, it's a gift. It a gift. It is a gift to hear the no and to celebrate the no and not make it a thing. And it's a gift for your, the people that are in your inner circle, the people you are close with to hear the no and what they're not saying, right? And give them the space to, to, to actually say no and to celebrate that. Because it's, it's you know, when we stand up, we give other people permission to stand up. So when we say no and honor the no, we give other people permission to say no. And so g- let that be a gift that you give the people you love. Honor their no's. And if you hear the no, even though they're not saying it, check in. Let them know it's okay to say no. And you'll respect yeah. it and celebrate it.
2: Yeah. Or even when they say no, because like, just stop them there. Like you don't have to have a, a, a an explanation. You don't need a reason. The no is enough. It gets to be enough. The no is enough. And I think that's a gorgeous place to
0: end today's podcast. The no is enough. Um, with that, L, do you have any last words for our listeners? Um, where can we find you? How can we become best friends?
2: Yes. Last word would be to really differentiate your self-worth from like your business, right? They are two different things because your self-worth is untouched and it is already there in full amount and can never be lowered in any way. You can find me on Instagram, um, my website, lrochere.com, and if you want a kind of like a guide in how to handle these difficult conversations I also have a freebie that you can download Cheryl I'll tell you the link so that you can put that in the show notes for sure I got that flash conversations dash guide yeah it's a it's a long one
0: Okay, well, we'll get that together for everyone. Again, thank you so much for being here for this delicious conversation. Um, Lindsay, again, thank you so much for being here. And I feel like one of the favorite, my favorite things about this particular podcast is every time I record, I feel like I myself make a huge shift whether it's releasing something or growing in a way or understanding something that I didn't understand before. And I know for everybody listening, especially with the shares that we've had, like the stories that we have shared today, that everybody listening has grown in a particular way. And I'm so excited to see uh, what they've discovered about themselves or what they're choosing to do now because they know different, they know that they can say no. Um, And they also know that, you know, that, they are only responsible for their own feelings and that they are able to support other people in their growth by allowing them to go through their own process as well. So with that, my name is Cheryl Sutherland and I'm joined of course with the amazing Lindsay Johnson and our sweet guest, Elle Roche. Um, I am, I'm just happy. I'm excited and we'll see you in the next episode of Navigating Mindfulness, where we are talking about applying these personal growth strategies as we build our businesses, as we build successful lives and just do all the things. So thank you so much and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you.